0: It's time for Animation Celery! Crunchy conversations about scary cartoons. As long as we don't disappear, we'll be all right. Ah, nuts. I'm one of the hosts, Micah. Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, I disappeared for a second. I'm Matsy. Whoa. Oh,
1: this is a podcast where we give each other cartoons to watch, usually by surprise. And then we come back and review them and recap them and discuss them. And uh, we're doing scary things this month because it's it's October and there's a holiday about that, you know, Thanksgiving. Um, uh Micah going to watch Betty Boop and Casper, the friendly ghost, don't you know? Um, and I'm going to watch a couple of weirdos. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll get to that. But first of all. Tell me what your scary news is, Micah. Uh,
0: uh how scary is this? Well, I am, I, um, I'm continuing to watch Totally She-Ra, as I call it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I mentioned this last week that everybody on She-Ra, Princesses of Power, acts like they're on Totally Spies. Um, hmm. And that continues. But uh, overall, I also compared it to, to Teen Titans, because of some of its design deficiencies, but its watchability. And I would say it's also very similar to Ruby, and to The Last Airbender. Okay. Yeah, and I I wonder how many times cartoons get pitched as being like The Last Airbender. Hmm. Hmm. Good question. Anyway, where I'd left off um, was right before the episode Princess Prom, which you said was the best one. Yeah. So I do like... There's, there's at one point, it is a princess prom. They, they, the, a tradition where even though their, their alliance is shaky, they still make sure every 10 years, I think it was, to, uh, get together all the princesses. Um, and so there's like a little montage. Scorpia for the horde actually is a princess. So she still receives an invitation, which Mm. I would say is a pretty strong tradition to send it to your, uh, to your conqueror. But anyway, (laughs) So there's like a montage of everybody putting on their prom outfit. Yeah. And actually did have a bow moment where I liked where he tore off the cummerbund so he could have a bare midriff like he usually does. (laughs) Um, And then there's the bit of Scorpia showing all of her dresses, like all the different looks that she might go with. Yeah. Uh, And uh, now we kind of mentioned before that, that she was my favorite character and you said she was a great character. I said um, she'll be your favorite, well, I, I didn't, re- I'm not sure I knew that she was your favorite character at that
1: time, but I said that by the end of this series, she will definitely be your favorite character.
0: Probably she's and this,
1: favorite. this is an episode where she really starts to become appealing.
0: I kind of like that she's good natured, but she's not like, um, <laughs> she's not clueless to being bad. Like later mm-hmm. on, later on, she holds somebody for a fall as a threat, right? So she's still bad, but yep. anyway, but she, but she's not like sneering and twisting her mustache or anything like that. Um, yeah. Mostly though, for, for all those different dresses, the joke is that she's quite large and the dresses are all girly. Yeah. But you know, as it turns out, she's a bit of a smoke show. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> also, very well groomed. So I imagine she can do a lot of delicate work with those pincers. <laughs> no fingers, right? But yeah, I, yeah. You, see, you see her later on, she can like thumb through folders of papers and stuff. So I guess, I guess she's pretty good with them. Uh, well, you know, you live with
1: those things all your life. You figure yeah. it out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I felt that Captra's outfit, while appropriate to her character, was way too earth uh, fashion, <laughs> but... Yeah, okay. And her little tuxedo with the bow tie, not tied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see, beyond that episode, though, um, let's see, well, I guess, I guess starting there, we meet Frosta, and I sort of felt that she does a 180 in terms of personality after that episode, where she's very, uh, straight, she's very, uh, authoritative, and then later on, she's kind of hyperactive and silly. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you've gotten into the second season, but
1: I think it's like the first or second episode of that, I think it might have been the first episode, because, I remember when the second season started and I watched the first episode, I went, ooh, uh (laughs) uh-oh. Yeah. This is taking a bad turn. Yeah. But then it got okay again. Like, I... Right. I was never as down on the show as I was in season two, episode one.
0: Okay. I don't think it's unjustified that she has two sides to her, though. That's fine. No. I don't really love this other side. I would have preferred that she'd stayed kind of more like the other way, but... Yeah. Um... The, especially during that climax, we finally get to see Natasha and Spinarella do stuff. Yeah. And you know what's funny? Ironically, I think they're way better designed than the other princesses. <laughs> and I like them more, too. So it's the irony that they're hardly in the show. Well, they, they get more of a role
1: yeah. at, after this, like they were they're really background characters for most of the first season but then they're part of the very important Care Bear stare at the end okay. uh, and then and then as the series goes on they they treat them like actual characters that you know they're not in every episode but none of the characters are really in any episode it's it's just yeah you know occasionally I'm like this is a Mermista episode this is a Perfuma episode and eventually they'll be this is a spinnerell and a Tossa episode
0: well while when she says that I toss nets, hence Natasa. They're yeah. downplaying her abilities, but her her power is pretty good, really. It is. I mean, it might be the least of the princesses, but not bad, still. And of the rest of the princesses, I kinda wonder that Shira doesn't really seem to me to stand head and shoulders above the rest of them. Cause <laughs> most of them are kind of X Men, you know? Like Um Especially the first time we see uh frosta engage in battle she rides in an ice slide like Iceman. yeah yeah and uh uh the the first time we meet uh perfuma she downplays her abilities oh i make flowers and then in that same episode we see that she's basically moss man from masters of the universe 2000 where she's riding on a uh, avalanche of vegetation you know
1: yeah 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 um
0: actually that's an sa-
1: interesting point that you know in a in a team, for lack of a better word, where everybody has cool powers, like, yeah. I control water, I can make ice, I can make flowers, and Shira's yeah. like, I'm really strong, and I might have other powers, but I don't know how to use them yet, Yeah, but I'm the secret
0: weapon? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, yeah, interesting point. It's funny, it's also the same as uh, the sister from Encanto, where her power is to make flowers, but again, it's like you're really selling this down. Your power is to make vines and the like, do whatever you want. So. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, okay. So, let's see. There was, um, there was an episode where, uh, where Entrapta f- finds her role within the Horde of, uh, using First One's tech and integrating it into their weaponry. Mm-hmm. So she makes four super drones. Um it really drove me nuts all episode long when everybody just called them bots and they said it a lot. Bots, 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 bots. <laughs> um, Like, I know this isn't the same She-Ra as the toy-driven She-Ra of the 80s, but I still kind of feel like these Horde drones should have a registered trademark symbol next to their name, you know? <laughs> they should have been like uh, uh, Terror Drones or uh, or... You know, uh, ran sex spelled really weirdly. You know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What were the what were the horde soldiers called? Were they horde bots or were they horde soldiers? Like in Tro- the original Shira.
0: Troopers, I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, horde troopers. Yeah. Well, they're weird, um, because they're covered in metal, but they except you can see the flesh of their hands, and I believe they have a little midriff window as well. In this? No, in the original. I'm pretty sure they were
1: robots, because I remember the toy version, their superpower was that they fell apart. Like, you'd push a button on their chest and they would just, like, collapse into pieces. (laughs) I think. I didn't realize that. Maybe I'm... maybe I'm
0: conflating them with blast attack. I think you are. Yeah, okay, so... I'm not sure that the toy had this. But the Filmation Horde Troopers (laughs) had uh, light brown skin for their fingers. And like I said, the little window for their belly. (laughs) Mm, I'm looking at it now, yeah. Yeah. And I think in the cartoon that they generally didn't definitively get smashed like a robot would. So I think Mm. there's people in there. I was obsessed with them as a little kid. Like, I, I... spent quite a lot of time drawing these horde troopers i i like their armor design i suppose let me see in their appearances in most media the troopers are
1: explicitly robots so as to demonstrate the toy's self-destruct feature however uh, some episodes of shira princess of power have depicted them with names and feelings treating them as bullies who enjoy tormenting innocence and fear Hordak's disapproval
0: hmm all right okay Their design in this show, I don't like as much as the original, even if the original is sort of boxy.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and actually, I kind of have a general problem with the Horde, that it seems really small. I think (laughs) they should have had, even if they had to, say, get a computer animated Horde Trooper, have scenes where there are, like, a hundred Horde Troopers in a courtyard, or, you know, just people in the background of shots in the Fright Zone. Um... Mm. Because as it is, like, Kyle's on most missions. I don't think he should be on any missions. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't seem to have any chain of command either. Like, there was Shadow Weaver, and they were waiting for someone else to be a commander <laughs> to, to, when uh, uh, Catra becomes Force Captain. Um. Right. Well, it, like, originally,
1: like, the start of the series is Adora becoming Force Captain. But well, then yes. she Then she
0: defects. Yes, but there's, like, nobody in between or or parallel to that. In the organization, mm. it seems. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what happened. Was there, like, a lot of attrition? Or uh, <laughs> did a lot of people quit before the series started? Um, yeah. And I'll say Scorpia's, also... That... Scorpia's a force captain. Is she? She is, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess she is. But but she's subordinate to Catra right away. Um, uh, well, she... I mean, I think they were
1: sent on that mission as equals, but then Catra just asserted her dominance... And Scorpia
0: is, like, am, you know, amiable enough that she's like, okay. For my taste, like, okay, so for Masters of the Universe, my favorite characters in that show are the bad guys. Okay. Like, you know, Skeletor, Merman, Trapjaw, these guys are cool. Yeah, and I always like Trapjaw, yeah. Yeah, same thing with Thundercats. The Thundercats are lame, but Sly, the Jackalman, and Monkey, and they're cool. Um. So that's that's my tendency in these kinds of shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... The Horde is really sadly light on... We get to see Grizzlor a couple times. He doesn't... I don't think he has any lines. And he he's not do, even... He's not even, like, officially named
1: Grizzlor. It's just kind of... I notice him and went, Hey, that's probably Grizzlor. Yeah,
0: yeah. He's there. Um, And, you know, I kind of want to see a Mantena, a Leech, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, What I imagine happens here is that they have the rights to all the characters in the Princess of Power toy line and they got all the rights to the Filmation characters like Madame Raz and Seahawk. Um, But I I speculate that they're allowed to say Grayskull and Eternia because it promotes Mattel's Masters of the Universe brand. Mm -hmm. Um, But they probably have to pay to use Hordak. That'd be my bet. Um, Eh, And then after... yeah, after after shelling out for Hordak and then hearing like the costs of other characters and limitations on their use, they probably just feel not worth it, you know. No. To shell out money and have lots of lots of parameters that we can put Mantenna in an episode. Well, Tongue Lasher is in an episode. Oh, is he?
1: Yes, he is. And huh. there's someone else. Uh Oh, well, oh no, she's there is another character but in fact in the same episode. But she's from um, the Filmation, she
0: ah. I don't There's know that she was ever an action figure. There's plenty of flashbacks with Katra and Adora. And one of them had a lizard guy who very much seemed like Whiplash and used his tail to destroy something. Mm. Um, and another one had an octopus-themed character. Kind of wonder where she went. I want more oh, of these guys yeah. in the uh, yeah. Oct- She's Yeah, she is actually in... The...
1: Octavia, I think her name is. She's actually in the Felmation series, too. I remember looking her up.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. So they got rights to her, then.
1: But... Yeah. Um, there's... What else was I gonna... Shoot. There was something... There was something else I was thinking, but I can't... It It's it escaped me.
0: Well, in mean, the meanwhile, with, with, like, the Horde not seeming big, they don't really seem like that much of a threat. They're just kind mm-hmm. of cannon fodder. However, one thing that flies against that statement I just made is that Catra... Holds her own against Shira, which is interesting because I would have thought Catra was roughly equal to Adora.
1: Um, probably, but it's it's probably also that Adora doesn't or er, Adora slash Shira doesn't actually want to like put all of her energy into fighting Katra.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. But that that's one good thing I would say. I kind of want to watch Scorpia just like dominate someone at some point. Uh, She, I mean, she can, like, that's the well,
1: thing, like, it's effortless for her when she's like, you know, kind of just comes up to someone and they're like, oh, Scorpia, and she's like, ha ha, sting, you're done.
0: Yeah, if she gets him with her poison, yeah, or her yeah. venom. Poison. Yeah.
1: Um, uh,
0: venom. Well, as we discussed, venoms <laughs> are poisons, but not all... Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh Yeah, so... I would say I'm still overall... Have, oh, by the way, I also got to that other part that you mentioned, you had alluded to that uh, uh, there's no stars on Etheria. That right. It always looks to me like Despondos is kind of like a nebula that they're in, maybe? Hmm. I don't know. Pocket dimension of some kind. Which makes me wonder what makes it night on Etheria. Maybe like some uh, other m- moons well, are luminescent, maybe?
1: Well, they have, like, five suns or something. Really? I thought those were all moons. Are they moons? I,
0: I can never I remember. So. I
1: just remember there was a, conjoin, a a you know, a conjoinment of all of them in some ritual thing. Ah, yeah.
0: well, like one of them's probably functionally a sun, I, then
1: I guess. Did oh. you did you get to the episode that was like a Dungeons and Dragons parody? I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that had the uh, the ridiculous flashback to the Filmation series.
0: Yes, and it had the uh, theme
1: song from it too at the end. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, that was all right.
1: It was st-
0: it was stupid, but I laughed a lot watching it. Yeah. I kind of do like <laughs> Sorry about those mustache twirling villains that they yeah. were in the filmation series. Catcher for sure. I remember uh uh Scorpia's thing was being an oaf. Yeah. <laughs> and she talked like this. Yeah. Um Anyway, uh, it's still fun. So, um. <laughs> good. Let's see what else is going on. I, uh. I watched some more season 33 Simpsons. <laughs> mm. And, uh. They were some alright episodes. Um, okay. In one, Bart discovers that Marge used to be a no good prankster in school. <laughs> so it becomes their bond. And Marge oh, can't stop making pranks in order to impress Bart. Um. Let's see. In another one, Lisa bonds with her babysitter, Superintendent Chalmers' daughter, Shauna. Oh boy, have you have we seen this character before? Because I no, the impression that she's.
1: We haven't. I, as far as I know, we haven't seen her.
0: Um, but we have seen Lisa babysitting other children. I I got the impression that she might be a recurring character. Anyway, mm. the, the thing is that uh, uh a somebody at the high school. Uh, somebody in the marching band at high school gets an injury. So they mm. call Lisa Simpson up to perform in the marching band, in, in the high school marching band. Yeah. And Shauna's there. Shauna's character is, she's she's sarcastic and uh, is, like, allergic to doing anything genuine. Okay. So she, she pretends that she hates band and drumming, but she actually loves it. So Lisa encourages her to actually pursue it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and then she has a moment where she's wondering, like, uh, she's so mean to me all the times, but also my friend. What's this feeling? <gasps> she's a big sister. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't bad. Not a bad Lisa, Lisa episode. Um, the last one I watched <laughs> sets up, it turns out that Krusty unscrupulously stole the business model of worth a try burger for Krusty Burger. Okay. So, <laughs> I love worth a try burger that they're so <laughs> humble right Like <laughs> try our burgers or the place next door they're pretty good too uh, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah so it starts up as a you ever see the movie The Founder no oh uh, is that about Wendy's no no it's uh, <clears throat> Michael Keaton plays the real life guy who basically stole McDonald's
1: oh okay
0: yeah, yeah. So that's the way this sets up. But it doesn't really last as a parody of that movie. Um, instead, uh, <laughs> what happens is it's, it's, it's a celebration of the anniversary of Krusty Burger. And the guy he formerly cheated shows up. He's become the ninth richest man in the world. All right. Because Krusty, Krusty taught him that uh, the world is harsh and you have to be more wicked in order to survive. So, okay. he's earned all this money, bought Krusty's parent company, and shut everything down in order to ruin Krusty the Clown and get his revenge. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it turns out that his old business partner was Abe Simpson. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, yeah, he invites him to share in the wealth and, you know, the, the, his, his grand success. Um, now, the, the thing in this, in this story, like I said, it starts off as a parody of the founder, and then it... it in the middle, there's some uh, Willy Wonka stuff, mm. um, but then it becomes a parody of the show Succession. Have mm. you ever seen Succession? No, me neither. So that's one thing about the evolution of The Simpsons, and I guess media consumption in general. When they used to parody something, it was something that I probably knew, <laughs> and <laughs> this time I don't. This time I only guessed, and then looked it yeah. up later, like yeah, okay, that was Succession they were making fun of.
1: Man. Um, I always wondered, like they did that episode thirty-two short films about Springfield, and I was like, yeah. how many people actually know that there was a movie called Thirty-Two Short Films About Glenn Gould?
0: Hmm. Does it matter to that episode though? Well, apart no. from no. Title.
1: It's yeah. just the title, but I It's like you're. It's like you're saying. It's like this is a parody oh, right. of something
0: relatively obscure. Actually, that's a funny thing you say because a lot of their inspiration are things you know from the 50s and 60s that we don't know hmm. and then there's a sweet spot and now they've evolved <laughs> to be too modern for us to understand so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you look up all the the Simpsons stuff like I don't know some stuff is just funny and even like you kind of know it's a parody you know like the uh, the character that would go yes yeah 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 and then if you do your research you find out you know, they're straight up copying, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm one episode away from finishing The Simpsons uh, season 33, although 34 just started, I guess. Oh. I thought maybe I could watch A Treehouse of Horror, but probably I won't be able to until sometime next month or the month after. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's just become their habit, I guess.
1: Yeah. Releasing that late. It's like their season premiere mm. in
0: November. Let's see. Oh, oh, oh. So we got a tweet um, from, our, uh, from our pal, Edian. Yeah. That asked us, did either of you catch Buddy Thunderstruck? Mm. It's on Netflix and from the directors of Robot Chicken. Mm. Have you seen it? No. Okay. Um, yeah, so I watched an episode. Uh, okay. Okay, so, uh, yeah, so it's a stop motion funny animal cartoon. Okay. As Etienne said from the creatives of Robot Chicken, um, Buddy is a dog and a big rig truck racer. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> along with his mechanic Darnell, a ferret, he divides his time between outrunning the law and winning truck races. Hmm. And it takes place in the redneck town of Grease Pit. <laughs> I, think, I think it's kind of like Dukes of Hazzard. I never really watched the show, but I think so anyway. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, he's got to... <laughs> it, he's got to keep on winning these races in order to support uh, his <laughs> auntie-uncle mm. because she's, you know, she's frivolous with money, so <laughs> they, he needs to continuously win in order to keep the uh, roadhouse alive or whatever it is she owns. And he's, yeah, got right. a, he's got a cousin named Muncie who owns a truck stop and... um uh, anyway so the uh, it's it's a half episode the first one his racing rivals um Tex Arcana the hog a, a a hog manager and his son um try to frame him they yeah. they they hire a duplicate who's covered his uh, big rig in cardboard panels so it looks like buddy's <laughs> and, and he goes around um a grease pit causing mayhem so that everybody turns against buddy Right. Um let's see. The second plot uh, there was a pizza delivery service in town run by three beavers. Hmm. And they delivered pizza so fast that there was, well, it was, it was not only threatening Muncie's truck stop uh, for business, but also people conjectured that they were faster than Buddy. <laughs> so he becomes competitive trying to outrace them in delivering pizza. All right. Okay. So. Um, so at the start, you know, I was glad to see it was a funny animal thing I guess it's got the stop motion animal character traditions of being these felted little weirdos and um because there's a lot of uh motor races there's uh a, a lot of cotton dirty cotton smoke going around, yeah um, and it's got that robot chicken style animation, so like uh there's a sort of stop-and-go suddenness to watching a uh, a car wreck and tumble over, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh... I gotta say, though, just like Robot Chicken, a little goes a long way. Yeah. So, I like watching a clip of Robot Chicken now and then, but uh, 20 minutes is a long time of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'm not a big fan. I like things about it. I would say that one thing, I don't feel there's... Uh, at first, I was going to say it should have been meaner about the depiction of these rednecks. But yeah. then I was thinking, not necessarily mean, but more authentic. Whereas mm-hmm. I think this just plays on stereotypes mostly. Hmm. Okay. So, um, I guess the other thing I'll say about it is <laughs> Buddy's fans. There's Everybody in town loves Buddy, except where he's framed, of course. Yeah. Um they all wear green shirts with his number seven on a circle in the chest, and that circle, combined with the color, the color of the green, makes me just think of Green Lantern whenever I see any of these guys wearing them. But, hmm. Anyway, I guess that's that's a pretty good roster of cartoons in my diet. Uh, <laughs> what's been going on with you, Matzy? Well, Micah. What? I'm. Still doing spooky Halloween cartoons. Oh, my God. Two more weeks of this. Well, this and next week. I tell you, I tried to make some media for the head and I just couldn't. <laughs> yeah. I tried to make like an animated GIF and it was just like, no, I cannot do it. It's, that's the thing. Like, Big Mouth was
1: exactly what I was hoping it was going to be. Yeah. You know, as a, as a horror show to tell here. The head yeah. was... Just, it was kind of inept, but harmless and oh, I see, almost yeah. interesting. <laughs> so that one kind of backfired a little, where it's like it wasn't quite a horror show. It was like you know, this is just like you know somebody's YouTube
0: video that they uploaded, I guess. <laughs> uh, Sometimes I, th- I think that when I watch some of these cartoons, like <laughs> is, would, would this be okay if a child made it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I think I, I think my. My description of it as, like, Beavis and Butthead fan art works pretty well. Yeah. Um, so, I had to find something really scary for this week. Okay. So, everybody prepare yourselves for the chone-billing horror that is Ren and Stimpy Adult Party Cartoon. Oh. All now. Right. For those of you who don't know what this is, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know what Ren and Stimpy is. It's a cartoon on Nickelodeon made by uh, noted sexual predator John Chris Crisfalusi back in the early 90s uh, that kind of pushed the limits of what a cartoon could get away with at that time. It was the, it, um, for example, it is kind of famous for having an episode that was banned in the United States because it was all about Stimpy uh, coddling his first fart. And indeed, it was, as far as I can remember, it was the first time I had ever heard the word fart mentioned in a cartoon. Um, so that show, you know, came and got a following and went. And in 2003, uh, Viacom, which is the parent company of Nickelodeon, had this channel called Spike, Spike. The idea being, this is going to appeal to testosterone-soaked men. And they contacted (laughs) John K. about rebooting Ren and Stimpy in an even more extreme, even more burly men will like this way. And so John K. did. Uh, and... The resulting series of, I believe, six episodes, maybe it was nine, but I think it's six episodes, Mm. was canceled after three because it was so bad that Spike actually just shelved their entire animation block. Ha! This is is too insulting, even for us! It is so bad that Uh. Billy West who was the original voice of Stimpy and the second voice of Ren after they fired John Kay, uh, he refused to be in it because he thought it would damage his career to be involved in it. All right. So they got Eric uh, Bauza instead to do Stimpy's voice. So, uh, So with this in mind, <laughs> I picked a random episode, which turned out to be, I believe, the second episode, episode two, which is called Ren Seeks Help. And I got to tell you, it started out pretty innocuous. I'm like, oh, did I pick a dud? Did I pick one that's not going to be very offensive? Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. So let me put on my spooky voice as I tell you what happens. It opens with Stimpy crying and screaming on the bed while Ren looks, you know... Uh, ashamed, let's say. Okay. Stimpy claims that Ren has gone too far this time, and Ren begs forgiveness, but Stimpy won't forgive him. It's beyond it. He's gone too far this time. So Ren finally decides he knows he needs help, and he's going to find help for Stimpy. But Stimpy tells him, don't do it for me. Do it for yourself. And so Ren walks out, and then Stimpy continues screaming enough that the roof and windows blow off the house. This that I just described took four minutes of this cartoon. Mm -hmm. Another minute or two is spent with Ren just trudging the streets until he finds a building marked Help. And he goes up an elevator to an office, the office of Dr. Mr. Horse. Ah, okay. And so he goes in and lays down, and Mr. Horse seems like a pretty competent psychologist, as he tells him, if you want. it's like, should I tell you about my childhood? If you'd like. If you, whatever. Yeah. So, here's where it begins. We start with St- uh, Ren's first memory, which is inside his mother's womb. and. Ah. We get to see a graphic birth scene of him emerge, or I shouldn't say emerging, shooting out of his mother. (laughs) Yeah. And his first memory after entering the world is the doctor slapping him. And it hurts. And so...
0: That's where he he got it. That's where he got it, huh?
1: That is literally it. He decided uh, from that point on, he was not going to be the one to feel pain. He was going to be the one to inflict it. Which hmm. we see with him tearing the legs
0: off of a caterpillar. As oh, a I think baby. I've seen this. Yeah, oh, okay. no. <laughs> <laughs> I've at least seen part of it. I remember that. And then he
1: finds a tick in his ear when he's a little older. He skewers the tick on a stick And then, for some reason, he has a hook on his tongue and licks the tick with it. On the 4th of July, he tortures ants by burning them with a lit fuse. And once he gets older, he discovers invertebrates. He finds a frog, which becomes his new companion. The two are inseparable with Ren. I keep getting these two mixed up for some reason. Hmm. Ren, stuffing a firecracker into the frog's butt, grinding him under his tricycle's tire, shocking him with a car battery, until the mangled frog finally begs for death. Ren is ready to smash him with a hammer until he realizes that the embrace of death is what the frog wants, and he decides that he's not going to put the frog out of his misery. He's going to force the frog to just live in agony. At this point, Mr. Horse backs over to his desk and pulls out a gun just in case. Hm. That night, in, in, in the flashback, that night the frog crawls to Ren's window and demands that he kill him. But uh, Ren refuses again. He comes home from work, and his father, a priest, angrily brings him into the living room. His mother is in tears. The frog is there, mutilated. He's even got a human ear sewn onto his head. The pe- The dad is appalled that his son would torture an animal so, and demands that he put the frog out of its misery, and he pulls a gun out of his Bible. But the mother is shocked that their father would give a gun to a little child. No, no, he should use this chainsaw instead. And so he takes the frog out to the finishing tree and the parents watch, proud of the growth that their son has uh, exhibited, chainsawing the frog to death. Also, the two parents start making out while they watch this. But Hmm. it turns out that Ren played them all. He just chainsawed around the frog, leaving it alive. What he actually does is just picks up the frog, still alive, and throws him in a garbage can. And that's the last time he saw that frog. All right. So shortly after this, Ren met Stimpy. And he remembers the first time he slapped Stimpy. It didn't hurt at all. So he had to slap him again and again until he went down. Mr. Horse asks if he loves this Stimpy and Ren is angry about this. He, he doesn't like love. He loathes Stimpy. And he knows that he went too far and he whispers what he did in Mr. Horse's ear. I actually, this is the only time in this cartoon that I actually sort of chuckled because okay. it, it did like this really close up, really um obvious Uh, shot and audio of Ren whispering and it's just the, you know, the gibberish cartoon whispering but he does it like really slow and close up so you can absolutely hear that it's gibberish that he's saying alright, I thought that was kind of amusing, sure yeah so finally he asks Mr. Horse what's wrong with him and Mr. Horse determines that he's crazy what the heck's the matter with him but Wren, that's what kind of psychologist he is. And Mr. Horse's answer is that he's not a psychologist. He's a horse and he's going to beat the hell out of Wren. The two get yeah. into a fight and Wren comes out on the, on the, on the upper hand here. The, the, the gun falls from the desk and Wren gets a hold of it and beats Mr. Horse, presumably to death with the butt of this gun.
0: Pistol whips then, him. Hmm? Pistol
1: whips him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then the men in white coats show up through. They <laughs> there is some uh, some difficulty there as Ren bites the hand off of one of them and swallows it. But they huh. manage to capture the insane Chihuahua and drive him off to the funny farm. It says funny farm on the side of their truck. OK. And then. What? The frog crawls into the room. Gets the gun, puts it in his mouth, and pulls the trigger, and a bang flag on a a, a rod pops out, but it goes through the back of uh, Mr. Frog's uh, well, not Mr. Frog. That's a different character. The Frog's okay. head, uh, presumably killing him as he weeps in joy, and we iris out, and that's the end. Huh.
0: <laughs> so, hmm. I uh, Googled Ren's father out of curiosity while you were uh, describing it, and it uh, Google threw me instead Kylo Ren. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, I see them now. I see, I see his parents
1: now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. mother is His mother no is, a, his mother yeah. is a, well, Ren doesn't have a tail
0: either. Well, actually, yeah, yeah. hey, that's a good point. He did originally. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes he most, does. Sometimes he doesn't. Most of the times he has a humorous butt, no tail. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: his mother is the typical John K woman.
0: Right. You know, and a- apparently from what I read here, the, uh, his father was voiced by his actual father, John K. That is.
1: Hmm. Mm, yeah. I saw that he did some voices in this. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, the, the episodes, or I hadn't even watched a full episode of this before. The bits of this show that I had seen before were rather,
0: uh, sexual in nature, between yeah, I've, and s- I've seen. I've seen the one where they go to the beach and mm. uh, like appear as shower accoutrements for girls to bathe themselves and stuff. I've seen that one.
1: Yeah, apparently that was one of the more problematic ones that led to the show. Like the sponsors were not happy about that episode, <laughs> and that's kind of what led to the show's cancellation.
0: No um, crap. Yeah, <laughs> but
1: this is this is the one. Like, because the first episode is very much about Ren and Stimpy being lovers. Oh, okay. And so this episode, this is episode two, and I guess they were like, oh, this show isn't just about sex, it's violent too. Uh, And then it was like one more episode, and they went, okay, that's enough of this. Let's not do Ren and Stimpy anymore, ever. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, so I think that was an appropriate horror show. It looks like Ren and Stimpy, I'll give it that. Um, Yeah. I I always liked Red and Stimpy's foley, the sound effects.
0: Um, yeah, the, the I think
1: the hitting sound effect that
0: Or any kind that.
1: of sound like like the it was really unique. Like, you know, Ren would sure. blink and the sound would be like ice cubes falling into a glass. It was really good at making really unique sounds for things. But All I right. didn't I don't know that I noticed it as much in this. Maybe I was just kind of flabbergasted by everything else that was going on. Hmm. But um I guess the long and short of it is the charm of Ren and Stimpy did not translate into this. Like hovering on the edge of what was acceptable kind of made it work a little bit. But uh, once it's like full bore, it's kind of like South Park, you know, once South Park was allowed to do whatever they wanted, it kind of sort of lost its quirky edge. Right. And same thing with this. And and, and of course there's John K being
0: a creeper too. Yeah, I think Spike when they promoted this, they also had Stripperella was one of their animated programs? Yep. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Yeah. You know, Spike. I mean, I guess there's a reason that Spike <laughs> isn't really Spike anymore. Did you ever watch the show called Mansers? Oh, gosh. I I don't know if I did. I remember the title. I don't
0: remember if I actually ever saw it. It was kind of like a mini Mythbusters for Creeps. <laughs> and uh I... <laughs> Uh, I didn't watch that many of it. Maybe it's just like Robot Chicken where I can watch a little bit and enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) But it would be like, uh, uh, some of them would be blatant. Like uh, they would test how big your boobs would have to be to smash a beer can. (sighs) So they brought various juggy women in to smash beer cans or attempt to anyway. But then other things, you know, like uh, whether or not, whether or not you can cut a bullet with a samurai sword. (laughs) (laughs) They like vice a samurai sword. And then fire a gun at it. Turns hmm. out it does cut bullets. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed, you know, when you know it's stupid, you can enjoy it. But like I said, maybe like Robot Chicken, maybe I've only seen two or three of them. And probably that's the saturation point. I liked the first season. Um, but oh, I think like, it,
1: of, of, um, of, of Robot Chicken.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I think
1: there's a point where it's like, OK, I've seen what this show has to offer. It's just going to be more of this now. Um, but yeah, Ren and Stimpy, um, you know, obviously problems with John K. aside, uh, Ren and Stimpy was really diminishing returns. Uh, the I have the DVD set of the first two seasons, and it's one of the worst uh, DVD compilations I've ever seen. It's For missing stuff and being out of order? Oh my God. It's Well, the order, I don't know, but it's like, Markets itself, it's it's like Ren and Stimpy uncut, it says. Yeah. And when they say uncut, what they mean is George Licker is around, allowed to say his name. And the episode oh, right. that has him right. in remember. it is there. And the yeah. episode with Sven Hoek, his cousin, uh, has some animatics that extend certain sequences. But then there's other stuff that I remember from those episodes that has been absolutely cut out. Like it's hmm. like... There's this like I remember specifically uh there's the episode where they're pretending to be babies and right there's a scene there's a couple of scenes there's a a scene where he picks up the dad picks up Ren and he's like hugging him to his face and his stubble is like grinding little bits of Ren's skin off right that's cut out huh um there's they're in the bath at some point and the dad picks up Ren and Stimpy and gives them to grandpa and it's this old man with a turkey leg on his head and he's he slowly yeah. whistles that's cut out huh uh, so like things that i distinctly remember just kind of awkwardly fade out and back in and i and that just infuriated me it's like you call this Red and Stimpy uncut because you're putting in stuff that was never there in the first place, but then cutting out stuff that was? Right.
0: Man. Anyway. Speaking of cut, speaking I of almost c- started I almost started this podcast with the uh Karaka Stimpy and you know all that. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Oh. I almost started with that. But I went real Ghostbusters instead. All right. Well. Uh
1: speaking anyway. of near misses, where are we going now? Um hmm. oh, the the Betty Boop one. Uh that's not near misses. Um Uh, uh, speaking of family strife in cartoons,
0: uh, this. I watched, uh, Minnie the Moocher. This is a Betty Boop cartoon directed by Dave Fleischer, or is it Willard Bowski? We'll get to that, uh, in 1932. So, this cartoon, this black and white cartoon, starts with the live-action of Cab Calloway dancing in front of a full jazz band to, you know, many of the moocher. Yeah. Uh, it eventually cross-dissolves to the Boop household. Mm-hmm. Betty is surrounded by her mother and father, uh, and they angrily demand that she eat her supper. It's hassenfeffer or stewed rabbit. While he rants, the father's head converts into a phonograph. That's a gramophone but rather than play discs, it reads a rotating cylinder. Uh, The friendly animate flower at the center of the table encourages Betty to eat her meal, but when the crying girl won't do it, the flower takes a bite, and it's so bad that it wilts. (laughs) Betty seems kind of too old for this sort of story. Yeah, (laughs) I was immediately like, wait, what? And maybe she's a young teen who blossomed hard real early. And dressed like a tramp. Um, so, Betty is driven from the table, and she's driven to song about how badly her parents pick on her. She decides that she's gonna run away. She rolls a toothbrush into a blanket, and that's it for packing. Uh, while she writes her goodbye note, there's a brief cameo of Coco the Clown coming out of the inkwell. Anyway, Betty calls her dog boyfriend Bimbo on the phone. And announces that she's running away, and he readily agrees to go with her. In fact, he's so ready that he'll meet her outside her window right now. (laughs) I rather like that she throws the blanket and toothbrush right away before exiting. Yeah,
1: uh, (laughs) like that whole thing was... I actually liked something I forgot to mention. I like that, you know, it's fun to see weird... um, Oh, this would have been contemporary at the time, but boy, it seems old-fashioned now. That her dad, I guess he's sounding like a broken record... Because he turns into a gramophone, like his head turns into a gramophone, but it's not a record gramophone. It's wax cylinders. Yeah. It's a phonograph.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and she even, yeah, when he, when he starts winding down, the mother actually reaches into the cabinet and pulls a new cylinder out. Yeah. Um, I think the sign is when when we all come together. Yeah. Um, Anyway. um, So Betty grabs onto the, uh, uh, the window shade. And uses it to coast down to the ground level. Um, And Bimbo and Betty wander into the wilderness until their surroundings get spooky. Then they take refuge in the cave. But what greets them in the cave? A ghost walrus! What else? (laughs) It dances and sings like Cab Calloway. It, you know, and of course it's singing, Minnie the moocher. Uh, the terrified lovers sneak away, but the whole area is haunted with backup singers. There's a bar with drink drinking ghosts that soak their whole skeletons, or sorry, drinking skeletons that sink their whole, soak their whole bodies in grog, then crumple and release their still-singing ghosts. Uh, Bimbo looks down a well next, and multiple ghostly reflections of himself sing back. Next, three ghosts behind bars sing along, but are led out of their cell to electric chairs. Though they be shocked, they already dead. Uh, There's a ghost cat mama who, when nursed by her dead kittens, deflates while they enlarge, and then the four grown kittens share a multi-nippled bottle. 1930s cartoons are weird. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, this scary rendition of Minnie the Moocher continues. It temporarily scares Betty and Bimbo into their negative colors, White is black. Black is white. Mm. Uh, ghosts of people and animals congregate in the cave, in the cave, and then a, uh, when a shrieking ghost flies towards the camera, that's enough. The two mortals flee the cave with ghosts flying after them in pursuit. And there's a bunch of weirdo ghosts here. Yeah. Uh, one flies by way of a belt-attached fan, and there's a crescent moon face rolling after them, too.
2: <laughs>
0: um... Yeah, I was, that was interesting. There's a, the actual moon is in the next shot. But anyway, um, <laughs> so, so Betty runs into her house, into her house, and Bimbo, appropriately enough, hides in the doghouse, evicting the more animal-like family dog. Hmm. Uh, Betty flees to her room to quiver underneath her bed sheets. The goodbye letter that she wrote, presumably still unread, shreds until the only words left on the scrap are arranged to say "home sweet home." Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a moral to this story? Maybe, but probably not. Nah. <laughs> I, I think this is just, you know, I've said
1: before about these old cartoons. It's just entertainment, you know, the fact that there's moving right. pictures. I mean, this is this is called a uh, talk cartoon. Like yeah. the idea that speech in a cartoon was a novel thing in, what was this, 1932? Yeah. Um. So this is just entertainment. It's like, hey... You know Cab Calloway, right? That yeah. uh, Negro singer and his Negro yeah. band.
0: Well, you know, uh, here, how would you uh, watch a cartoon of him? Half half of the Fleischer cartoons don't have conflict, so why would ha- why would you expect a moral? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Now I gotta say, I personally have credited Dave Fleischer a ton for directing all things Fleischer Studios. Yeah. From Betty Boop to Popeye to Superman. Yep. But on further inspection, he was apparently largely an in in idea man and supervisor. Hmm. So he was not probably, he's probably not that workhorse that was working on it. Th- the, the true animation director for this cartoon and many other films was talented anti-Semite Willard Bowski. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, we're picking all the problematic animation directors, right? <laughs> I guess, yeah. And I read that in particular, he liked to work on jazz-focused material. Especially Cab Calloway stuff. Hmm. And he- and heck, there are three Betty Boop, Betty Boops with Cab Calloway, so...
1: That's um, interesting.
0: Anyway. Uh, blacks yeah. are all right, but those Jews... Ooh, yeah, yeah. Well, you want to know the uh, further irony? What's that? He uh, he died in World War II in the European Theater of War, so... Oh, great. Huh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, was, as I mentioned, Cab Calloway's featured in two other Betty Boop cartoons including Snow White, as well as The Old Man in the Mountain, which (laughs) I partly conflated with this one, because it's him singing Minnie the Moocher again.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that one is uh, a little notorious, I think. Yeah? Yeah, the uh, rapey old man.
0: (laughs) Well, that's a lot of Betty Boop cartoons. Well, yeah, that's true, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of Betty Boop, she's voiced here by... Little Ann Little, nice stage name. Yeah, um, she's the intermediate voice of Betty Boop before our favorite Mae Questel shows up. Mm. You know, Betty Boop starts with controversy, right? Uh, there was a uh, there was a performer named Helen Kane that did that. Oh, right. Thing. Yes, this story. Yeah, yeah. yeah there was. She, 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 yeah, she didn't win her lawsuit. Although, you know, I think looking back. Every creator was a thief. <laughs> so probably they did just rip her off. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, I like Betty Boop and I hadn't really watched this one. So pretty fun. Yeah, it was it wasn't much to it, but it was neat. You know, just some
1: pretty good animation. Nice little yeah. song. Um, Some some dark humor. Yeah. Well, yeah. Neat little very, you know, it's just an excuse to like, what kind of weird ghosts can we
0: have? Uh, let's have three of them go to an electric chair. Um, yeah, and some absurdist stuff. Like, you can say that in a lot of Betty Boop, Betty Boop cartoons, she's kind of a passenger. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But in the time where she makes gags, they're usually pretty good. Like I said, like preparing that, that whole roll with a toothbrush and then just chucking it aside when she goes out the window.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that all right. Hmm. All right. Um, I wonder if I should adjust the order of my cartoons because... Thinking about those weird ghosts floating out of that cave, sort of put me in mind of the second one that I was going to review, so maybe I should oh. do that one first, just because it it flows uh, from left to right, if you will. <laughs> uh, sure, do as you like. Yeah. Okay. So little switch here. So what Micah gave me is a Russian cartoon, and the title of it officially translates into from left to right there's also fru 89 I'm not sure yeah. exactly what that is um, I wonder if that's a reference to the date cuz it was made in 1989 Yeah I'm wondering if like fru like it doesn't say fru it's all in in um Russian script Cyrillic um yeah. so maybe it's like the the school that I it's directed by Ivan Maximov um and maybe he uh maybe it's his school he's like the class of 89 and this is his film uh but yeah uh in i i don't speak russian but i think it's slava uh, napravo which literally translates to from left to right um mm. and there's not really a lot to it i'll i'll just uh, explain it real quickly it's it starts with this dog and a meat grinder thing don't worry the dog's okay it's actually yeah. the moon that gets into trouble here the moon falls into this meat grinder and a bunch of uh white you know, wormy meat things come out the bottom (laughs) and turn into various little critters. And it's the rest of the, the rest of the cartoon is just the little critters basically swallowing a thing and pooping it out as something different. And then the next thing swallowing it and pooping it out and so on and so on (laughs) as they all move from left to right, uh, ending with a, uh, everything kind of going into another machine that the dog pulls the handle on and a bone
0: comes out and the dog is happy. And Yeah, he's got that little, he's got that lady, ah, sound. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> The yeah. bone comes out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a funny thing that this whole strange genesis of grinding the moon to create life then yeah. distills into making, uh, literally distills into a bone for the dog. Yeah. And it's that's, kind of like, the joke's about whittling a whole tree <laughs> yeah. into a clothes peg. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, that's all right, you're saying. <laughs>
1: so there's not a lot to this. Like, I pretty much just said what it is. I mean, if you want to watch, the the charm of it is watching the specifics. So I'm not going to say, right. you know, what all the, you know, what exactly what every single thing is, um, because that's what you're watching it for. Um, and it is wor- wor- worth watching because it's cute and well animated and it's it's neat. It, um, it's only four and a half
0: minutes. To yeah. Me,
1: so, yeah, it's, yeah. it's short, kind of cute. You can watch these little critters moving around. Nice. Did you say it's spooky? Is it at all spooky? Um, I didn't find it particularly spooky. I guess I could see how it's, you know, this idea of these little weird creatures, like turning inside out on each other and roiling and things like yeah, that. And
0: then, and then eating each other's feces. Yeah. Other than, like, you know. Or, or the one that gets shot through the middle and then uses his shooter to stuff and fill the hole. There's weird stuff going on in yeah.
1: this.
0: Yeah. It's psychedelic. It, it is.
1: Um, and it's, you know, it's it's not really worth describing to any further uh, oh, e- extent to that. But but it is worth watching. It's a cute little thing. Um, and yeah, it's it's worth... I guess the point of it here isn't so much to review it, but to
0: bring it to the general public's attention. Um, I, I, I found out on a spooky cartoons list. And largely the person describing it said the spookiest part for them was watching the beginning with the moon just being sucked into the meat grinder. <laughs> mm. it was just, mm. And then the dog like howling and then bouncing towards the meat grinder and f- and then fading away. Yeah. I guess there's a lot of weird stuff happening. Yeah. But, you know, visually there's a weird thing that there's vertical lines over the whole, the yeah. whole cartoon. Yeah. Like there's text. Like there's texture to it or film grain or something. Yeah, you know? I wonder if that's in the original. Like, is this
1: something from the translation from the Russian, whatever kind of media they were using in 19... 19- because remember, 1989, like, was still the USSR. Yeah, um, it's so even, I have to think it's purposeful. Yeah, okay. Maybe. Uh, It's hard to say, but... Um, yeah. But yeah, it's... We mention it to bring it to your attention and say you should watch it because oh, yeah. it's cute and fun.
0: Definitely check out from left to right. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did, did you watch any other Ivan Maximov cartoons? No, I probably should
1: have, but I I failed to. Uh, Do you have any good ones?
0: Uh, I only watched one. Uh, let me make sure I get the title right here. I think it's Lonely Monster Goes Out. Oh, yeah, Lonely I Monster saw Goes that Out.
1: That one I saw that one in the um uh
0: the YouTube recommendations. Just... Yeah, yeah. So I I watched that one, and what it made me think is that Ivan Maximov is like uh National Film Board animator Richard Condy's weird brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All he right. he's the weird one. <laughs> um, hmm. it was it was pretty good. I, I liked it and uh I looked up his career. Um, so yeah, he's he's made a whole lot of uh shorts, I guess. Hmm. Um he also in 2003 animated a video game called Full Pipe. Um, okay. And before then he used to be involved in a video gaming magazine about the Dendi. You know the Dendi? Oh
1: gosh, I remember that name. What It's it's the Russian Whoa. gaming console. Oh yeah, I'm just looking at it now. That's just a Famicom.
0: Yeah, well yeah, it's it's mostly made it's mostly bootleg and ripoff games. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Game grumps is the whole thing where they played a whole bunch of Dendi games. Mm. Half of mm. them don't even work, but yeah Well yeah. Huh. Yeah, so Oh. interesting guy be be uh interesting to look at more of his stuff yeah true well, I wonder if he's a friendly guy <laughs> you are top notch at Segways um actually he's sixty three now so I'm glad he probably hasn't been recruited for war oh uh, yeah you, uh yeah let's get back to friendlier stuff here uh the friendly ghost is the name of this cartoon, and it features Casper, you might have guessed. Um, it's directed by I. Sparber in 1945. Hmm. Uh, it begins, As we're taken through a spooky mansion, the narrator considers whether you, the viewer, are the sort of person who believes in ghosts or doesn't believe in ghosts. If you are, this is a ghost story. And if you, if you aren't the believe-in-ghosts kind, this story's about one anyway. Casper is asleep on a suit of armor in the mansion. Hmm. Uh, a book on his belly titled How to Win Friends. Real book. Uh, when, the stro- when, the stro- when the clock strikes 12, all of his brothers and sisters awaken the house. They're bedsheet style ghosts, like several are actual bedsheets, and a couple of the small ones are pillowcases. <laughs> These are substantially spookier than, and more lovingly animated than ghosts in later Casper cartoons. Uh, Yeah, they're white forms, like, wispily float in the air.
1: Yeah, there's one that's, like, rowing a boat through the air.
0: Oh, yeah, he comes next. Yeah, he's, he's, he's acting like he's rowing a boat. And he wakes Casper that he might join the fun, Casper might, and, join, and scare people. The rest of the ghosts fly in bird formations and then into houses and high-rises alike, scaring all they meet. That ain't Casper's bag, though. So he runs away from home. He kisses the cat goodbye, then departs, bindle on his shoulder. I guess that cat was good with ghosts. <laughs> um, so along the countryside, he skips with a new Lisan afterlife. <laughs> when he greets the rooster, it becomes so terrified that its morning-crowing malfunctions and it runs away. He next greets a mole that has surfaced from the ground. Once it puts on its glasses, since moles are notoriously blind... He sees that Casper is a ghost, and tunnels away in terror. Now Casper is feeling less peppy, and he wanders literally through a barn, and scares a cat and mouse. The mouse, to get away, willingly jumps into the also-scared cat's mouth, then runs so forcefully as to drag him by his cheek through the mouse hole. This ghost can't make friends with chickens either. He scares a bunch of knitting hens, having a hen party, (laughs) to flying the whole coop away and dropping all their eggs onto him. It was at this point (laughs) that
1: I started to think, I wonder if this is what the makers of Animaniacs are emulating. Like, this kind of, we've got one joke and we're just going to keep doing it. Because I'm thinking of like Minerva Mink, Chicken Boo... Uh, Katie Kaboom, that kind You mean think. through
0: the history of Casper, right? <laughs> well, I, I mean,
1: maybe not this specific one, but like this era of cartoons where it's like, hey, here's a cartoon character. There's one quirky thing about him and it's just yeah. going to keep doing it over and over again. And people
0: well, of Animaniacs yeah. were like, hey, let's do some more of that. Maybe a lot of Casper cartoons are like this. But then uh, this, this cartoon, this <laughs> well, this cartoon is about to change though. Well, it's got, about to become real dark. <laughs> Casper, Casper lies on the train tracks in order to end it all. Yeah, this is so no real. So this was
1: like <laughs> the second cartoon in a row that I had to watch uh, about someone who was so miserable that they wanted to die. Yeah. You know, the first it, being Ren, the and <laughs> Ren and Stimpy. Oh,
0: Ren right, and that of course, frog. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, this one turns out differently because the... Uh, Train just runs through him since he's incorporeal, kind of. Um, And so, anyway, he's a lot, he's unalive, and oh, this accursed and lonely undeath. He's crying. And then a ball runs by, rolls by, and then a brother and sister run to retrieve their ball. They don't know to be afraid of him, so they make friends with bashful little Casper. The three play catch with that ball, but frequently the ball just passes through Casper's hands and body. So, What are ghost physics? Yeah. (laughs) I imagine it's like the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze, where you learn to, like, push a penny, you know? Yeah, you need to focus your emotions on it. Right. And it's like Slimer, too. He can go through stuff, but he can also hold a big sandwich or turkey or whatever. Maybe... So Casper can... Maybe it's negative emotions. You can touch things, and he's
1: just feeling so happy now that he's just melting through everything. I don't know.
0: Right. So... Sometimes eggs fall on him. Sometimes he walks through a barn. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, the three walk to the kid's house while playing jump rope. And that must be really hard to do to even like tandem swing a rope like that while walking. Well, it's made
1: easier by the fact that the rope would just apparently pass through the target's legs.
0: Or trip him sometimes. Who knows? (laughs) Um, So anyway, the kid's mother grabs them and hides under the bed. And she begs that the ghost go away and leave them alone. So despondently, Casper approaches the front door, but (laughs) it bursts open. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) the the landlord has come to collect, but because he sees a ghost, he determines that the house is haunted. He tears up the mortgage and runs away so fast that he sets a bridge on fire. (laughs) Even though Casper is a ghost. Having her mortgage canceled is enough for her mother to accept him, for the mother to accept him. Yeah. Uh, makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. I was, I was immediately like, oh, well this, this story only has a happy ending because Casper was, uh, convenient.
0: Listen, any monsters that want to allow me to live rent free, you're invited. Come on in. Yeah. No mortgage um, payments. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, one morning, little Johnny and Bonnie, those are the kids' names, I guess, they, they leave for school, each seen off by their mother. The last to go is Casper, dressed for school and looking like a dork, if you ask me. Well. Uh, and apparently now part of the family. Yeah. This is probably what kids looked like in 1945. <laughs> Big old dorks. Yep. Um, so, this director, Izzy Sparber... still a great name yeah Uh, they had all the best names uh, back then if it works (laughs) cartoons yeah yeah (laughs) the uh he wrote the feature length Gulliver's Travels as well as Colossal Failure Mr. Bug Goes to Town (laughs) Um, he was uncredited as a writer and director for several Popeye and Betty Boop cartoons but he became one of the heads uh, after Fleischer Studios got absorbed and became famous studios this studio here yeah yeah, so uh, that that Dave Fleischer maybe is a big old creep taking, you know, uncrediting Izzy Sparber. Hmm. Um
1: Man. Uh, is that taking, is that the true Halloween horror just a uh, shattering your
0: high opinion of Dave Fleischer? Maybe. And and taking that anti-semites credit as director? Um Well, that's okay. <laughs> uh yeah, so you know Casper's design this is the first time we see him it's not yet refined he's kind of a blob yep um despite that there's a level of care that in this that I'm not used to seeing in a Casper cartoon (laughs) uh like the animation for the ghosts is pretty cool yep the way they flutter and the backgrounds these watercolor backgrounds are pretty intense pretty detailed there's like craft in the way they're made now it's not well preserved so I don't know like it's a little blurry yeah there, there are times where it's so bright, I wonder if there's an effect there or if it's just, you know, the painting and it's just the way it looks after degenerating of yeah. the, the film. Yeah. But uh, but I can tell it looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, see, I'm, halfway I'm basing this on... In, in 1945, there's a Casper the Friendly Ghost TV series. Oh. And boy, it makes Hanna-Barbera cartoons look richly animated. Oh, wow. It is, it, it's pretty bad. Um, there is a little more variety though. Most Casper cartoons are like the middle of this cartoon. Yeah. Where he just can't make friends because everything is scared of a g-g-ghost. Right. Um, but then the fact that he's a ghost, like he meets something naive or something that by circumstance he can help out and makes a friend. Right. Um, yeah. The TV series branches it out a little bit where the drivers of the action are his friends or brothers. You know, like, so his friend, <laughs> I watched one where he's on a date with Wendy the Witch, <laughs> and his his friend is sabotaging Wendy uh, at every turn, and then making it appear like Casper has been playing pranks on her. Oh, boy. Um, so some of them are a little different. Actually, I like Wendy the Witch quite a bit. <laughs> Mostly her weird design, but mm. uh, that she's not your conventional-looking witch. Yeah. Anyway, I'm getting off the topic here of this cartoon. All right. Um, uh, so, yeah, this is all right. I... I kind of liked seeing the origins of Casper in a cartoon that may be the best looking Casper cartoon of all. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'll just say real quickly, the sound. I couldn't tell if the sound was distorted or not, because uh, the music Mm. had this weird echo to it, which sounded really cool. Um, Right. But and then I was wondering, like, is that actually in there or is it just because the sound sucks? But then when characters would talk, they wouldn't have that echo on it. So right. I'm like, maybe the maybe the music is supposed to be weirdly echoed like that. And it sounds like, ha- really like cool. Haunting. So yeah. Yeah. yeah So, and sound like the same thing, like the, uh, the chicken, the rooster, uh, crowing has that echo yeah. to it as well. Um, I just thought I, I, if, it, if it's an effect that they put on on purpose, good job. Cause it sounds really neat. Mm. Uh, if it's distortion just from age, well, it's a shame I don't get to hear the real version but boy the voices still sound okay so i don't know
0: some things are meant to be (laughs) meant to be viewed in unideal ways you know like some cartoons have a bad film print and then they're remastered and like you're used to watching it being this ruddy brown thing and now the reds are like intense and you you think boy it looked better when it was muted
1: yeah wwe Uh, uh the wrestling company yeah. They resisted going to high definition broadcast okay. uh, for a while because they were afraid that if it the if all the action looked crystal clear and perfect, you'd be able to see that they weren't really hitting each other.
0: Oh no. <laughs> I watched a clip recently <laughs> of a wrestling event. I don't know, like some kind of semi pro thing. Okay. So uh, where a dog got in the ring. Oh, jeez! <laughs> I heard
1: I was. I yeah. listened to Jim Cornette's podcast, and they actually reviewed that clip on
0: today's yeah, yeah. episode. And and the wrestler that was already in there obligingly took the fall every time the dog made a move at him. He yeah. was like playing along. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah. So, <laughs> not cute, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. i I'm, I'm. I'm the. I'm the one who sucks at segues. Okay. Well, whatever.
1: I'll. I'll just seg into it then. So what we got here, um, there was an OVA, which is an original video animation, uh, anime uh, from 1987. This is sounding really familiar, but don't worry. Well, uh, it, yeah. it's not as incomprehensible as the last thing. Well, okay, actually... Okay, I'll just say. Anyway, it's this it's this OVA 1987. It's called Robot Carnival, and it's a series of segments all by famous Japanese directors. Uh, and I am watching one segment uh, with the director Takashi Nakamura, and it's called Chicken Man and Redneck, or it might be called Nightmare. I'm not sure. Um... This is
0: hmm. listed, they list it as Chicken Man and Redneck. So we'll go with that. It is, It, it, it that is his actual title. Okay. It was changed for U.S. release to Nightmare. And oh. it's Red, it's Red Space Neck. Yeah, yeah, so not, 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 like not red neck, Redneck like a, yeah. a weird, you know,
1: goofy Southern guy. It's like Chicken Man and Redneck. Uh, yeah. Now, I started taking notes on this, but it soon became apparent that it was going to be futile trying to tell the story of this. Because this is really? another one that's... Like a whole bunch of weird imagery, the basic okay. idea of it is the city, I guess it's Tokyo mm. um and it starts out relatively normal and well animated, I thought for anime like it's like the the way characters move around is much better than any anime that I've seen mm. um but eventually it becomes more nightmarish, where there's this giant robot. Guy hovering over everything and shooting bolts of energy to not exactly animate machines, but rather make robots burst out of them. like maybe it's like mm. like animating their innards into robots. right. This is going on all over the city. And then we see, oh, there is one important character yeah. here who is a a robot wearing a red cloak. uh, this might be Redneck. I'm not yeah. sure. Um,
0: and he goes... He, he looks he, he looks quite chicken man as well, but he's redneck. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And he goes <laughs> around shooting these same lightning bolts and animating things. And he is eventually seen by an awakening drunk human, who I guess is Chicken Man. Um, And he's terrified and he jumps onto a scooter and manages to start driving away. And the rest of it is this weird chase scene of the guy... This human trying to run away, I guess, chicken man trying to run away, redneck trying to chase him down. There's going through a machines and factories and there's a cup of booze of some kind and the, the <laughs> giant robot is
0: looming over everything. Um And the that gi- that giant robots kind of like the demon from Fantasia's Night on Bald Mountain. Yes. Now that you mention it. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah, because he's huge and ominous over everything, and like all his servants are little weird, undeadish kind of robot guys crawling around. That's actually a tor- really good comparison. Yeah. Uh, it's very much like that, yes. It, it ends like that too,
1: actually. Yeah. Um, I'm not even sure I remember
0: how it ends. It kind of just wakes up. Oh, the uh, yeah, so the 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 drunkard on the scooters managed to survive this whole time. And then daylight comes, and all the machines start to recede and die. And yeah, but the skyline is still covered with spiky, mangled metal. So
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. um, kind of the robot apocalypse version of that segment of Fantasia. That's a that's a yes. tremendous way to describe this, Micah. Well
0: done. And and like that chase scene gets broken up sometimes. so You just see that. The, the hellscape, you know, like there's a bunch of robots dancing on a thing and then they get smushed by a piston and come out in a different form. And, you know, and that, that, uh, uh, that giant is just like destroying what he pleases. And yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, a weird psychotic nightmare scape of robots just, uh, reveling in destruction and birthing more robots, uh, with this one human uh, trying to avoid it.
0: It starts real spooky, too, I think, with that giant scythe-like pendulum yeah, just I, swaying through the city. I thought it was going to be one of those blades,
1: like one of those pendulum blades, um, and then I yeah, realized it, it was like a gear. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. um but yeah, this is another one where there isn't too much to say about it. Um, it's...
0: No, nah, it's just a, just a big chase yeah, scene. Yeah, it's just yeah. a big chase
1: scene. But like I said, it's well animated. Um, it's 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 not your typical anime animation where it's like very no, limited. It's cartoony. She, yeah, it's like there's actual movement to it. I like uh, weird, cool robots. So that was a fun nightmare to see.
0: And spooky. You know, the yeah, idea... I think... I think the action's a little bit like the Dragon's Lair video game. Mm, oh yeah, kind, sure kind of, that too. All the tumbling, you know, and not avoiding death by a by a hair. Um, you know, I really like Redneck, the harbinger of doom. Yeah, that, that animates most of these things. I like he's got like his his mouth is stuffed with a nut and a bolt.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: yep. uh, his his red cape is also fastened by a bolt. And he, as a robot, he wears a baggy pair of striped pants too. Yeah, so yeah, it's pretty funny.
1: <laughs> you know something. The idea of being the last person, I read a book uh, by the author Neil Stevenson called Seven Eves, which is mm-hmm. about it's in two parts. And the first part of it is kind of about a world ending apocalypse um, yeah. where basically the moon has burst into pieces and scientists soon figure out eventually these pieces are going to crash into each other enough that it's going to create an an asteroid storm that is going to wipe out all life on Earth and we need to plan for it. Huh. Um, and, you know, I don't want to spoil too much, but that the end of that first half, like there's a sentence in there where it's like the last, uh, the, the eight remaining uh, women called a meeting of the last humans in existence. And the idea of like, oh my gosh, there's only eight humans left. That's huh. terrifying. How would they confirm it? Well,
0: um... I guess you got to read the book,
1: right? Well, I mean, there it, it, it's not 100% confirmed. Like, there were people on Earth who were trying to figure out another way to survive. There were some people who broke off and decided to go to Mars. Um, but, you know... Okay. But it's like... Best we can figure. As far yeah. as we know, like, of the, like... Of the organized society of humans that were sent to live up on the International Space Station, we these are the eight that we know exist. And also, okay. they're all women, and one of them has gone through menopause. So, okay. it's like, uh, what now? But that idea... a limited gene pool. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a super limited gene pool because they're all women. Yeah. And... And it's, and that idea, like, it just struck me when I read that sentence, like, oh my, like, only eight, like the entire, like, eight billion person population of the world, and now there is eight. That's terrifying. And so the idea of this one person in this world is just being destroyed by everything. That's pretty
0: scary, too. Like, it's a. Yeah, just waking up. Waking up to a bunch of spindly robots and a giant flying robotic angler fish and just all kinds of weird crap.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've had dreams about being chased by some unseen forces, like just, you know, running through a deserted city, through doors, losing track of where I am because something is chasing me. Like, it's a it's a legitimate nightmare. Um, hmm. And so, yeah, um, I didn't find this particularly scary but i acknowledge mm. like the idea of it like there is definitely like this
0: is feeding on some people's fears for sure i don't think there's a high-minded commentary about cities and machines no i i think it's just subbrain sort of imagery like fear of metal and rust and pipes and cables and jagged metal stuff you know yeah yeah um and and that's this kind is, of as i
1: understand it that's kind of the theme of this little movie is like just yeah nightmare things happening involving robots.
0: Not really, it's it's totally varied. Okay. Um I wonder what people would think now watching it because I why the way I experienced it as of a time and place, you know, where I watched this late at night on VHS or TV broadcast when everything is quiet and moody. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. Well, but uh, well
1: speaking of late night watching of weird stuff on TV, uh, we should probably move on to next week, an episode right. a year in the making it's happening.
0: Right. It's happening. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> going to be our first animated feature from Nilvana since the care bears. Oh boy. Which I think was about a year ago. Yeah. One, one a year, I guess, uh, do you want to say what it is we're watching, Matzy? All right. It's a, everybody's got a bad movie that they love, okay. and maybe
1: some people have more than one, but for me, mm. it's rock and Rule, and we're <laughs> going to watch it for Halloween. It's not particularly scary. It is post-apocalyptic, but um, it might be... Sc- do you not remember... Hmm? Do you not remember how that movie ends? Oh, I remember how it ends. Oh, Okay. I, I I it has some fear. Yeah, I guess it has some scary stuff in it. But you know, yeah. it's scary in the sense of any movie having high stakes. You know, okay. But sure. um, but yeah, we're gonna watch Rock and Roll. Uh, and if you don't know what that is, is, you're in for a treat.
0: I guess. Yeah, we're in for a treat. So that'll be next week. Um, in the meanwhile, why don't you tell us what we should be watching, or tell us what you would like us to rattle on about at the beginning of the show. Um. Tell us what your favorite Halloween candy is. I am at Drab on Twitter. Uh, I am at AC Matzy on Twitter. Um, when
1: I went trick-or-treating, I would always go straight for the peanut butter cups because my brother was allergic to peanuts and I would get them all. <laughs> you know, trade him other stuff. Sweet deal. It's like, you know, you, yeah. you can have all these smarties and I'll have the peanut butter cup. But, uh, but then, you know, as I got older and... Uh, Was able to afford my own peanut butter cups and worked in a convenience store where I could steal them. It uh, became less interesting. Anyway, uh, I'm at AC Matsey and uh, here's a trick or a treat for you. I'm not sure. Depends what you think. The Celery Stalker slogan! (laughs) And then... And finally
2: I have a red
0: and I a teacher. And then I, what devoted to the first, the first,
2: what first, what what I